If you would, please turn in the Bible to Job chapter three. It's gonna be a tough message for us today because it is on pain and suffering and depression. If you came here today wanting to be inspired, then this may not be the the right day. But if you know somebody who is suffering or depressed, this may be the perfect message for you. I think more than I've realized, many of us are suffering and depressed. Job three is an excellent chapter for it. When I was in high school, I had a good friend, played high school basketball with me, good guy. During the summer, he and some buddies were playing basketball and driving home and they were all riding in the back of the truck And when they took a turn in the back of the truck, he fell out. And he didn't have any head injuries and he was okay, but he lost his use of his arm for the rest of his life. He was left-handed and it was his left arm. He was never able again to play basketball. And even to this day, that's been like 25 years ago, And even to this day, I still think about how hard that made his life. All the normal things. All the things that I'm able to do and take for granted, he's not able to do anymore. That's a small example of hardship and pain and suffering in a life. Many of you know people who have it much worse. We find ourselves at times asking, why do I have it so good? When I know people who have it so bad. These are questions that we often ask, but questions that we often do not get answers to. In a case that is much, much worse than my buddies, Job is suffering at such a low point. All of his identity from a worldly perspective has been taken from him. All he has left is God. And in chapter three, we finally hear Job speak about it. Remember last week was the end of chapter two when Job's friends came and that was such a powerful thing. I've been thinking about it all week. They sat with him for seven days and seven nights and they didn't say a word. They didn't offer advice or correction. They didn't try to fix him. They sat there silently. Today, finally, Job speaks. Read with me, if you will, Job chapter three. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness 
May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and deep darkness claim it. Let let clouds dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. That night, let thick darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful cry enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are ready to rouse up Leviathan. Let the stars of its dawn be dark. Let it hope for light, but have none, nor see the eyelids of the morning, because it did not shut the doors of my mother's womb nor hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not die at birth, come out from the womb and expire? Why did the knees receive me, or why the breasts that I should nurse? For then I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept. Then I would have been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves, or with princes who had gold who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not as a hidden, stillborn child, as infants who never see the light? There the wicked would cease from troubling, and there the weary are at rest. There the prisoners are at ease together. They hear not the voice of the taskmaster. The small and the great are there, and the slave is free from his master. Why is light given to him who is in misery, and life to the bitter in soul who long for death, but it comes not? and dig for it more than for hidden treasures who rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they find the grave? Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in? For my sighing comes instead of my bread, and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing I fear comes upon me, and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet, I have no rest, but trouble comes. What a dark chapter, right? I know some of you all haven't read Job 1 and 2, and you haven't been here to hear what Job 1 or 2, what Job 1 and 2 are about. This is a extreme contrast, isn't it? Job was the greatest man in the East. Blameless and upright, kind, awesome, successful, wealthy, caring, loved his family, a good dad, a good husband, 10 children. He took care of all of them. He celebrated with them. Job was, by all accounts, awesome. And then he lost it all. And we get chapter three. It's not fair to know Job at just chapter three, and it's not fair to know Job at just chapters one and two. May we all learn to not judge a book by its cover. Don't even judge a book by a chapter. Chapters one and two are not all of who Job is, and chapter three is not all of who Job is. That's why it's important to be here and to be regularly, and even when you miss, to watch at home online so that we're understanding the context of what's happening. 
God wants to teach us how to suffer. God wants us to know that he is the foundation for our lives and he is a rock that will not fail us. And we are to believe it and fall upon it, stand upon it, rest upon it, be established upon God and his love as a father who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so that no matter what, we are safe forever in the love of God, forgiven of all of our sins in God's family. And God gives us great passages like this. There are two words that dominate chapter three. You've heard them. The word may or let and the word why. May or let is in this chapter 13 times and why, the question why, five times. Commentator Thomas says, together these two words reveal the extent of Job's emotional outburst. We must not imagine that stoicism is the right response to pain and suffering. Job is telling us how he feels. That's a good word, isn't it? Job is telling us how he feels, and we should listen. Notice that Job's friends are there, his three friends, and he's, they, they are there to comfort him. Chapter two says that they came to comfort him. They came to show him sympathy. It says that. But they waited, and this is such a good lesson for us. They waited for him to speak. They did not speak first. They waited for a long time, seven days and nights, sitting on the ground with him outside of the city in the ash heap, nasty, ugly sickness on him. And they waited for him to speak. They were quick to hear. Around chapter three today, I want to give us three points on suffering and depression. Number one, suffering is real. Suffering is real. Life is hard and it hurts. It may not be hurting right now for all of you. Many of you can remember a time when life hurts. But for many, life hurts, even today. They are suffering, and sometimes to the degree that they don't want to look up. Job here, if you look, is cursing. Now, the first thing you notice in Job chapter three is he is not cursing God, and that's what Satan said he would do. He said to God, Satan said to God, if you let me do this to him and break Job down to that degree and hurt his body and his health, yet not taking his life, he will curse you, God, to your face. That's what Satan said would happen, and that is not what happened. God defeats Satan once again in this book, in this story, in this scene. But let's not miss that while Job is not cursing God, Job is cursing. And here he curses the day of his birth to a very far extent. Why was I even born? Let that day perish. Let's remove that day from the calendar. Let nobody remember. Let the day that I was conceived be removed, God. Why am I even a person? Why am I even a thing, he says. Why did I not die at birth? 
Why didn't I come out of the womb and expire, verse 11 says. Why was I not like a stillborn child, verse 16 says. Why did I ever get to see the light I would rather have not, Job says. Why did my mom's breast supply milk for me, Job says. It would have been better had they dried up and I would have died a baby. That is deep, is it not? Job's not having a bad day. Job hasn't just lost his job. Job's family is not simply in financial trouble. Job was not just diagnosed with cancer. Job is suffering deeply. This is an interesting chapter because it is so dark. Can you imagine someone trying to tell Job some inspirational advice in this scene? Some of the things that you hear don't worry, be happy. Can you imagine? Hey, pick your head up, tomorrow's another day. Can you imagine some of the things we tell people? Or if you make better choices, I can't tell you how many times I hear that. Bad choices, bad life, good choices, good life. Folks, if you're a Christian parent, make sure your Christian parenting has some depth to it. If your Christian encouragement is only wrapped up in this type of stuff, we're not encouraging people. Or as we see all the time, here are five steps or eight steps or seven steps or 12 steps to have a better life. Folks, these are not answers to suffering and depression. I laugh about it, but these are shallow answers or comforts for people with little problems. To be honest, these are things that help good people get better or lazy people become disciplined or distracted people focus. And those are problems in their own right. I need some books like that. But Job doesn't. Job don't need a book off the bestseller to help him get his life together. Before Job was cursed in this way, Job was a better example of how to be a good human than any book ever written. Job was the best there was. He doesn't need your advice. He knows how to make his bed, right? That one's on the bestseller list right now. Make your bed every day. That's one of the, t the titles out right now. Job knew how to make his bed and take care of his kids. Job is deeply hurting. He doesn't have little problems. He has big problems like suffering and depression, big problems that are deep down that there is no quick help or cheap and easy advice or solution. I can't imagine if Job had been giving the book your best life now. Job had already had the best life and it was all taken from him. Suffering is real. We see this in the book of Job. And while we want to immediately say why, 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 and we somehow we know the answer to this because we've read chapters one and two. God is proving his point to Satan and God is letting Satan do this to Job so that everybody will see, including Job, that God keeps his people 
Satan cannot get people out of God's grip. He cannot. Listen to me. Satan cannot get people out of God's grip. He cannot. If God has his hands on you, Satan can take all your kids, take all of your health, take all of your money, take all of your stuff, but he cannot take you from God. And if you will bow your knee and repent of your sins and trust in Christ, you will be in God's grip forever. Believe it. So that even when we are suffering and depressed, we are not lost. Even when we are suffering and depressed, we are God's, in God's hand. Job teaches us this. But suffering is real because the world is sinful. I'm not saying that it's real because we sin. Yes, there is a category of life that if you do dumb things, you will get bad consequences. If you make bad decisions, you will get bad consequences. That's a real life, and that is a part of parenting. That's a chapter in the parenting book, and everybody knows that. And that's why we hear it so much, and that's true. But there's a lot more to be said than that. Job is not in this position because of a bad decision he made. He's not in this position because of a sin he did. But Job is in this position because the world is sinful. We are sinful. So I'm not saying it's a direct re, re, uh, reaction or consequence to his sin, but I am saying that suffering is in the world, my life and your life and Job's life, because it is a sinful world. The world is fallen. The world is under a curse. It is foundational to the Bible, foundational to creation, and foundation to Christianity to know know and believe that because man sinned against God, the whole world is now under a curse. There was no death before sin. There was no suffering before sin. There was no poison ivy, I don't think, before sin. There was no thorns before sin, right? There was no crying in the bad way before sin. There was no pain before sin. But because of sin in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, all of humanity, the world over, is under the curse of sin. It will not be that way forever. God is creating a new kingdom. God has a new heaven and new earth that is coming where he will reign forever. And everybody from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation all over the planet throughout history who loves the Lamb of God slain for their sins that believes in him will be washed clean of their sins, forgiven of their sins, and will be with God forever in heaven. But until then, we live under the curse. This world, these days, all of it is under the sinful, fallen curse of sin. And the result of that is that life is now often hard and challenging. That's one of the things that we hear immediately in Genesis chapter three. Work will be hard. Getting food will be hard. Waking up and going through each day will be hard. Childbirth will be hard. Relationships will be hard. This is all in Genesis chapter three because of the sin that's in the world. We are under that curse. Life is hard and frustrating at times, and it is simply because we are in a fallen world now. The result of this is that life is now often hard and challenging. This world is full of suffering and depression, and sometimes it is to the point that you do not want to live. Let me repeat that. Sometimes 
This life is so hard and so ugly and so not fair that it is to the extent that you do not want to live. This is exactly where Job is at. But one thing, and I don't wanna talk too much about this today because I'm careful because we do have so many young people here, but one of the things that is so crystal clear obvious in 42 chapters of Job, he is this low speaking in ways we have never even spoken before, but he never, ever, ever, ever considers taking his own life. It is not even a possibility. It's not even an option, not even a consideration. He never even considers it. But he is extremely low. Suffering is real. You do have people in your life who are just low and depressed. That's a real category. It's not fake. It's not just because of bad decisions. Suffering is real. Job is there. And none of all that cheap diagnosis works with Job. So this is a great case study for us, for us to expand what we think and how we believe about God and suffering. There's nothing that you can say to Job right now that helps. He knows everything that you know that you're going to tell him. His, his, his friends try for the next 30 some chapters. None of it's really that good. We get to the end of the book and God's going to remind him, Job, I'm God. And what we see happening, it answers Job's depression, that God is God. Now we've got a lot to unfold before we get there, but number one today is that suffering is real. There are people hurting and depressed that do not like life. Number two, Christians suffer. I do not want to allow you to think that only unbelievers suffer. I don't want you to feel backwards and crooked and twisted and odd and messed up because Christians suffer, they do. Again, this case study of Job is fascinating in showing that good, godly Job is who is suffering here. Job is a believer. Job hopes in God. He trusts in God. Job walks with God. And yet he is suffering here. Christians suffer. Commentator Mason says, yet by this stage in the story, chapter three, it should be clear that an entirely new trial has now overtaken Job, the trial of depression, of deep mental and spiritual trauma. The terrible disasters of the first two chapters, listen to this, the terrible disasters of the first two chapters of Job, managed, he man, Job managed to weather admirably with piety intact. Remember the things he said? The Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Remember those things? Shall we accept good from God and not bad only? Job was rock solid in the first two chapters. But now the battlefront has shifted subtly but calamitously from the outside of Job to the inside of Job. Now it is Job's inner psychic life, his very soul that is under satanic attack. Christians can and do suffer. Heaven is our home, but we are not there yet. 
The Bible tells us that there is suffering, whether it be Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, whether it be David walking through the valley of the shadow of death, whether it be the persecution of the disciples, John the Baptist's head being cut off as we read in the Gospels, whether it be the early church or the persecution of today, life can be discouraging, discouraging to the degree of overwhelming us. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to feel. And so my feelings become depression. Mason goes on to write, the message that begins to unfold in chapter three is that depression in a believer, far from being unforgivable, is one of the things that the Lord is most ready and eager to forgive. And it may even be something that does not call for forgiveness at all. Far from being a sign of loss of faith, listen to this, depression may actually demonstrate the presence of the sort of genuine and deeply searching faith that God always honors. The fact that you still believe when you are that low is a wonderful thing. And that is certainly the case with Job. C.S. Lewis, who many of you know, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and has written many, many books and was an outstanding witness and apologetics witness for Christ, writing in his book, oh, sorry, C.S. Lewis writes, his wife was dying of cancer. Not that I am in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. The real danger is of coming to believe such dreadful things about God. The conclusion, the conclusion I dread is not so there's no God after all, but so this is what God is really like? Deceive yourself no longer. C.S., he writes. Christians, People that know and believe the Bible suffer. Suffering and depression are deep issues, low levels. And these low levels lead us to questions. How many times have I been talking to someone to hear them say, I just have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions about a lot of things. And suffering will lead us to that, will it not? Questions come out of our suffering because we don't understand them. We ask questions when we aren't in the know. We, are, we ask questions when we don't have answers. And as you saw from Job chapter three, there are a lot of questions here. I want to read them to you. Some of these from chapter three and some from the rest of the book. Listen to some of the questions that Job is driven to in his suffering. 3.11, why didn't you let me die at birth? 3.12, why didn't you dry up my mother's breast so that I would starve? 3.20 through 22, why do you keep wretched people like me alive, God? 6.11, how do you expect to have hope and patience? How do you expect me to have hope and patience? Chapter seven, if life is so short, why does it have to be so miserable? Chapter seven again, why don't you stop hurting me for a while? 
Chapter seven, verse 20, what did I ever do to you that I became the target for your arrows? 721, why don't you forgive me before I die and it is too late? Chapter nine, verse two, how can a mortal man be righteous before a holy God? 924, why do you favor the wicked? 929, since you have already decided I'm guilty, why should I even try? 10.8, you are the one who created me, so why are you destroying me? 13.24, why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Why do you not let me meet you somewhere face to face so that I can state my case? 20, chapter 23. Chapter 24, why do you not set a time to judge wicked men? These questions reveal to us who Job is and where Job's at and how Job feels. Commentator Thomas writes, this is one of the greatest encouragements in the book of Job. Now think about this. Despite Job's anger and frustration, he is never condemned. God never abandons Job. God listens to Job's questions. God allows Job to ask those questions. Job may not have received the answers that he wished for, but he is allowed to ask these terrible questions. Christians suffer. I hope that's a comfort for you here today so that when you're suffering, you know that that's a part of it. And I hope in making this very clear point that it is reminding you of maybe how wrong the Christian message is at times if we're telling people that we're only Smiles and glee and uppity, happy. That's not really what our message is. Our message rarely gets to the emotional side of things will get better. There are times when that's our message, but that's not actually our message. Our message is that God loves you and he sent Jesus to die an unjust, unjust death because of your sins. And even if life never gets fair here, God will forgive you and you will have eternal life with God forever. You will be at peace with God. The message doesn't always speak to how things will change here. It does speak to how things will change on the inside of you, but not here, not circumstances. Thomas writes, lamentation has always been a part, has always been a part of the expression of faith. Almost half of Israel's hymn book, that's the book of Psalms, consisted of Psalms of lament. It is perhaps one of the reasons for the demise of psalm singing in churches of the 20th century. That the, that the church has drifted away from biblical expressions of faith. So much of church and Christianity has tried to become now what summer camp is. 
And summer camp is like the coolest day of summer. And everybody's wearing their bathing suit because they just came off the lake and we're going into a rock concert and they encourage all the kids to come down front and jump up and down and we're gonna go all day for Jesus and literally everybody's doing that. But they can't preach this at summer camp because their kids are gonna go home sad. And what parent's gonna pay $300 for summer camp for the kids to come home sad? Depression's a part of life. And as much as I hate to admit it, it's not just in the adults anymore, folks. It's not just in the adults. Kids are depressed these days. Kids connect with Job chapter three really well these days. We gotta make sure That's why I'm thankful for good leaders here in our church. We didn't plan this Sunday morning service or any Sunday morning service to just be a spiritual high, to be your shot in the arm to get you through another week. We hope it does that. It wasn't planned around that. This isn't a sugar high to help you get through a night. This isn't a caffeine shot to help you get through, through, through the day. Church is supposed to be laying a rock-solid foundation of who God is and how you know him that will hold you up in a storm. That's what church is supposed to be. We know there's cooler churches. We know there's cooler pastors. We know that. We don't have any desire to pump you up. We do have a desire to give you the very thing that will answer your depression. Christians suffer. Do you remember what we read earlier from Romans chapter eight? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That verse admits that this suffering can be really bad, but it reminds us that the glory coming does not even compare to this suffering. But it is honest to say, well, if the suffering is this low, I mean this bad, as it is for some, how good must the glory be? How sure, how certain, how forever How rewarding, how satisfying must the glory be that awaits us for those who believe. Number one, suffering is real. Number two, Christians suffer. And lastly, number three, God is with us in our suffering. And here's the answer if you want one. God is with us in our suffering even when we cannot see it. There are aspects of the Christian life, of a walk with our Father in heaven, of a relationship with him where it is not clear, where it is not as obvious, where it is not plain as daylight, and yet we are still in the same position. 
You cannot see and understand everything, but you can believe that nothing has changed. Suffering does not change God. May this be an anchor for you. Suffering does not change God. We change like crazy. We gain weight, we lose weight, we get happy, we get sad, we get money, and then we spend it all. We change a lot. Job's life had changed like crazy in these first three chapters, but it did not change God. And if the foundation is still there, that's the most important thing. The foundation is the most important part. And God is the foundation. His truth is the foundation. What he tells us is the foundation. Suffering does not change God, but it does usually change the way we see God. So we must be careful. We must walk by faith. We must lean in or hold tight. We must be disciplined. We must not be lazy with our faith. We must not take it for granted. We can't coast. God doesn't change, but suffering usually changes the way we see God. It makes us think about things we have not thought about. It makes us consider things we have not considered. Suffering doesn't change our position with God. Suffering does not change our position with God, but it may reveal it to us if we cannot handle the truth, if we cannot handle the circumstances. it must cause us to reflect upon what is our position with God. Is there even one? And suffering by the grace of God forces us to turn to God. This is what we see in the Bible, that our suffering is to force us to turn to God. This is what happens with Job. Remember, let me remind you that for the rest of the book of Job, there is no mention of Satan. Job does not now just start cursing Satan. He doesn't even know about him. Job does not now start talking about the bad decisions in his life. Job is wrestling with God. That's what's so neat about this, going from the outside to the inside, is that this becomes a spiritual thing for Job. It's, God, why? God, why? God, why? Is it my fault? I'm sorry. Is it not my fault? Well, then why? Job is dealing with God in this. And if suffering causes us to turn to God, then we need to learn here today this good Bible teaching, then we should welcome suffering in our life. And if, listen to me, if prosperity causes you not to turn to God, then you need to believe here today that you don't want any more prosperity. Take the riches away from us. Take the comfort away from us. More cars and more houses and more food and more stuff and better everything. If it's gonna make us distance ourselves from God and say, I don't even really need it, then it's not good for us. But if God has to take your kids and everything else and cause you to turn to him, then so be it. God, bring it. It's not what happened with Job. He was focused on God. But the point is that suffering causes us often to turn to God. And like we talk about all the time in repentance conversations, when we know that we're wrong, when we are convicted of our sins, we do not turn away from God, we turn to God. When we are bad and wrong, we do not run from God, we run to God because he is a loving father that receives us. Suffering forces us to turn to God. 
I wanna show you one place, and there are so many, but I wanna show you one place. Turn with me to Psalm 88. Psalm is the next, Psalms are the next book right after Job. Turn with me to Psalm 88. I already mentioned in, in, in one of the things that as many as half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, sadness. You know the book of Lamentations, that's what it is. You know the prophet Jeremiah, how depressed he was. This is common to the scriptures. This is another reason why we must read our Bibles. But Psalm 88 is a real one, it's a heavy one. I want to read the whole thing to you so you just see another place in scripture of suffering and depression. It says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made, a, made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me, afflicted and close to death from my youth up? I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. That's real and honest. Psalm 88 goes well with Job 3. They are suffering. They are low. Mason writes, the third chapter of Job may well be the bleakest chapter in all of Scripture, more so even than Psalm 88, which after 18 bleak verses ends abruptly with the line, darkness is my best friend. Here it seems obvious that the psalmist reaches the end of his prayer without receiving any answer, without so much as a crumb of comfort. Yet for this very reason, there can be a strange comfort in the reading of this psalm in times of deep trouble. It is good to be reminded that such a black outpouring really is scriptural. That prayer need not be upbeat and optimistic. The true believer, listen to this, the true believer does not always rise from his knees full of encouragement and fresh hope. There are times when one may remain down in the dumps and yet still have prayed well. For what God wants from us is not the observance of religious protocol, but just that we be real with him, 
God wants our hearts. God is with us in our suffering is my third and final point. Job chapter three is a dark passage, but Job chapter three is and must be read in light of Job one and two. That's why it's so helpful for those of you who have been listening and been paying attention to the first two chapters. What we know about Job chapter three is that every bit of it is dark and heavy and sad, but Job is safe, Job is good, Job is loved. Job is supposed to be read where your heart is breaking and our tears are flowing because this man has lost so much, but that never happens to the reader, does it? Because every one of us know God has Job right where he wants Job. Job chapter three is to be read in light of chapters one and two. It doesn't change the pain but it does change how we understand the pain and how we understand the pain changes what we turn to in our pain. God is with us in our suffering. God is a very present help in trouble. And the Bible promises that whoever believes in Christ has Christ living inside of them by way of the Holy Spirit forever. And he will never leave, never forsake them. He is with them always, even until the end. As Job Job sits outside the ash heap burning. Job is to be comforted by knowing God has him. And this is what Job wrestles with and ultimately comforts him. As you are alone, hurting, suffering, you are to understand God is with you. And this becomes the very, I mean the very purpose of why Christ Jesus came. For all of the suffering that this world gives, Christ came and suffered in our place. There is no pain or suffering that Christ hasn't already dealt with for us. You are to believe that your God loves you and he sent his son to bear the brunt of all of it so that you could say one day it will end. One day, it will end. One day, I won't hurt as much. One day, it won't be so bad. And the Bible tells us that day is a lot closer than we realize. Christ died for those who want to die. Christ suffered for those who suffer. Christ wept for those who weep. Christ took the pain for those who are in pain. He is the answer to the problem. God is with us in our suffering. When I was a kid, I've, I've got a great dad. And when I was a kid, one of the things that we did all the time is he would take me out hiking and, and out in the woods. It wasn't necessarily hiking, but just out in the woods. And there were creeks and we would catch minnows and frogs and we would skip rocks and climb trees and try to swing on a vine across the creek. And I got so many good memories of my dad taking me out like that. But I remember one time we were out just walking and 
All of a sudden, he was gone. And I was a little kid out in the middle of the woods by myself. And I got so scared. And I remember yelling, Dad, Dad! And I could not find him. I could not see him. I didn't know what was going on. I was scared. I was crying. I was a little boy. And then all of a sudden, after a few minutes, of course, as a little kid, it probably was 30 seconds, but in my mind, it was three years. All of a sudden, he just pops out from behind a tree. That was over 30 years ago, but I remember this. What felt to me at that time like total lostness. My dad had totally under control. What felt to me deep, deep pain. My dad left me out here. My dad knew I didn't leave you. I'm with you. This is Christianity. We will suffer more in the future. But he'll be with us. He is our comfort. Trust him. Father in heaven, thank you for Job chapter three. For the honesty of Job. Job had to have been embarrassed, shameful, you had him and at the end of the day God that's all that matters Father may our church do a better job of being real and honest genuine and authentic may the people of our church commit to Christ with all their strength as a way of showing authenticity Father thank you for Job chapter 3 Father, may this remind us to be gentler with people who are suffering. And may we find comfort in knowing that you are with us. God, thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.